What's happening, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Unparalleled Sports Talk with Joe's Kwame Fisher Jones. And I am joined by my man Everett Terry, Sports Talk Terry, on all hey, social hey, media hey. platforms. Thank you for finally joining me. Eh? I, I appreciate you uh, finding your way to the phone on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I'm, ba- I'm battling through a bit of a cold, but I'm here, man. I just need to take some cough suppressant so I can get through this segment. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get sick? Never mind. I don't even know. I, 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 got, I got an amazing half sleeve the other day. That's why. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, it's, this should cheer you up. A few weeks ago, well, maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, it started a few weeks ago. I think you first were one of the early people to talk about Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. I was more I, I, as as a whole, and I, I know you would agree with this. I've been high on Rick Carlisle as a coach for quite some time, and I in my pre-team assessments, I thought the Pacers would be good, but I thought it would be because of uh, Ben Matchin and uh, Matthew, excuse me, and Obi Toppin. I felt they would be a long team. They would be out to get out and rebound and do things. I didn't expect much out of Tyrese Halliburton, and I never, I've never been a fan. I've always thought he was kind of a jack of trade. Jack of many trades, master of none. But I want to give you your credit. He's played exceptionally well. He's been clutch. He's been able to not just, you know, hit the flashy long three, but he's been able to get to the basket and finish, which is something I've always thought he struggled with. But the big thing I've noticed is he's been a tremendous leader. Mm-hmm. He's been that gotten guys involved. He's taking the mantle as far as, you know, if we win – Everyone gets the credit, but if we lose, it's on me. He's busted into the spotlight and shine there. So before we get started on, on what the chances are winning this tournament championship and what it could pop, just what, what this season could look like for them, I want to give you credit for that, Nasty. What, what do you see or what did you see that thought you believe that felt you that led you to believe you could play at this level? So if you've watched how he's evolved, even going back to his days in college and when he was buried behind De'Aaron Fox, and that's that's no disrespect to Tyrese or the fact that De'Aaron is also having a tremendous year. It's just that the, the, the Kings wanted to go with De'Aaron as a, t- a talent that was proven when they decided to kind of revamp the roster. You already knew that two things that he could do well, he could pass the ball and he could defend. Two things that as a point guard, if you can do that, you will always have a job in the NBA. People question his ability to shoot. Now, my understanding was his last year in Sacramento, he got with a shooting coach that greatly evolved his jumper and had him, while it's not the prettiest jumper in the world, looking coming off his hand, it's consistent. He has good arc on the ball, and he gets it off quick, so it's hard to block. All of that said, as so – It looks like we lost Ever for a minute. It'll get situated there. While he's, while he's getting situated, Can you hear me? a few minutes to come back. Yeah, I got you now. Let me let me uh, kind of transition back to you for a second. You said something, and if you remember, when we did the show NBA Files years ago, I said to see you, looked at me like I owed you money when I said it. But I will, I, I will tell you this a thousand times. If anyone ever questions a guy's shooting ability coming into the NBA, they don't know basketball. Anybody that ever says to you, I don't like him because he can't shoot, walk away from me. And I'm going to tell you why. In college and in high school, these guys are the best athletes on the floor. They never have to develop shooting. If you shoot a jump shot in college or in high school, nine times out of ten you're going to get yelled at unless you're you're playing for um, Bobby Knight or 
you know, the, the late Bobby Knight, the late Bobby Knight or the late John Thompson or John Chaney, most of your coaches now want you to trap, especially if they're a black head coach. They want you to trap all day, run man, and get to the basket. Backdoor screens, alley-oops, high screen rolls, stuff like that. Shooting is not something that is thrusted upon a player until they get to the NBA. And then when they get and to the and NBA... And that's the AAU issue. Uh, you know, and that, that, that's part of it. But I also think that the level of coaching, even on the high school level, is questionable. And I'm going to give you back the floor in a second. I just want to say this. In the NBA, you know what NBA players do, especially young players, especially players from 18, 19, 20, 21? They look at Instagram models and practice jump shots. That's all they do. Yep. So by the time year two and three rolls around, they become really good shooters. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard. I was just about to say, he shot like 19%. DeMar DeRozan, one of the best mid-game assassins in, in, to play in one the NBA the last early. 20 years. He shot something like 21% at USC. Mm -hmm. All they do is look at Instagram models and practice shooting. So what they come in, De'Aaron Fox, another guy, the Sixers passed him because Fultz was a better shooter. How'd that work out? Right. So I'm going to get that back to you, but when you said that, it just made me that and the fact that Atani just got $700 million. Kids, play baseball. Yeah. Play uh, baseball. Agree. And, and you know what? I've been arguing on social media for the last hour about how the Otani deal is more of a, a benefit to the Dodgers than not, because even when he's not pitching, they will make so much money in international sales over the next three to five years. They'll make that seven hundred back twofold yeah. by the time his contract's over. That it wasn't. It wasn't just a baseball move. It was a business move. It was a business. He and he is a business man. But anyway, back to Halliburton. You were saying <laughs> you were talking about his development, his involvement. Evolved. Yes. So he uh, and I'm sorry that I cut out there. He uh, he got with a shooting coach, developed his jumper, and they started to see improvement. And this is where I scream from the mountaintops as a Philadelphia resident how Daryl Morey screwed the Sixers because had he pulled the trigger on Halliburton and Hill, they would have had a gauntlet team that would have been able to compete in the East for the next decade easy. They wouldn't be this fringe team that can't get out the second round. And what you see now is Halliburton's taking it to the next level. You saw traces of it last year with the way he played with the Pacers when he finally got the keys to run the offense. And by trading Sabonis, it literally was his team from the jump. Now, people question whether or not he could be the guy. But again, when you can defend and you can pass the ball as a point guard, you set guys up. Now you force the defense to change the way they approach you. And when they step off, because of how quick his shot can get off, because of the fact that it doesn't have the greatest look coming off his hand, but it gets off his hand clean because it's a quicker release and it has a good arc on it, he's going to be hard to block, especially being 6'7", okay? You factor all of that together, the fact that he's already aggressive, he can get to the rack any way he wants to, and you put all that together with his work ethic and the fact that you've seen his maturation as a player, I didn't expect him to be this good, okay? Just speaking from a, from a statistical point of view, I took him in two different fantasy drafts and got him at the 10th pick. I guarantee you if we redraft, he goes top five. That just goes <laughs> to show you that people didn't believe in him, and I was, I was happy he fell to me at 10. Happy. I was hoping he fell to me. I said, I'm going to build my whole team around him, and I'm dominating both my leagues. But that's not the point. The point I'm making is, <laughs> that people didn't people didn't believe in him because of the fact that they didn't know what he was doing sight unseen. They didn't know that he was proven as a commodity. I argue with people, take away the fact that he's averaging 25, 26 points a game and 12 assists leading the association. Take away the fact that he's defending both ends, 6-0 in the IST, and has beaten both Milwaukee and Boston to get there and is going to route the Lakers today, and I'm calling it right now. And Philly. And, oh, and the Sixers. Let's not forget that, which means technically if this were the playoffs, 
you know, if this were the playoffs, game seven, I trust Tyrese Halliburton over Embiid. I trust him over Tatum. I trust him over, you know, Dame, who's not having a great start. Stop it. Stop it. I'm just, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking in folklore, but the point I'm making is, the point I'm making is this. The Indiana Pacers will be a much better team than they've been in the last half decade. They will be a contender coming out of the East. I predict they will be a top four seed. Um, Orlando looks good, but they're going to taper off because they're Orlando. They, they're they young. They haven't been there before. I like them. I like them. I like them. I don't think they stay top two. There's no way they maintain that all year because all it takes is Paolo goes down for a week or two. They're going to lose almost every game. Like, let's stop. Yeah, but like, they're playing an awful division. But finish your point. Finish your I'm, point. Not, I'm not arguing that, but the point I'm making is I think the Pacers make that ascension, and it's all because of Tyrese Halliburton. He's the one – the 1A and the 2 in that offense. And the best part about it, the best part about Tyrese Halliburton that everybody keeps speed past, the last two games in the IST, 53 points, 28 assists, zero. And I'm going to say it again. Zero. As many turnovers as you and me had in the NBA. Zero. Okay? That is impressive. I don't care who you look at or what you do. And I argued it last week. I argued it two weeks ago, and I will argue it all season. Tyrese Halliburton is the best two-way point guard complete point guard in the association there's nobody that does what he does better nobody passing scoring assist defending there's nobody at his position that does it better and i'll argue there's very few people in the league as a whole that do it better maybe Giannis, but Giannis can't score like he can score Giannis is all dunks he can't shoot the three okay 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 you didn't attack Giannis right now let me let me pull you back right now let me pull you back sure sure pull me back i'm sorry the man's the man's a stud He's played, he's played exceptionally well. You cannot take any credit away from him. I'd also like to give a little credit to Lloyd Pierce and Rick Carlisle for helping yes. him develop, for allowing him, you know, talent needs coaching, needs coaching. Coaching only matters when you have talent. If you don't have talent, coaching is inconsequential. So I want to give them credit. I've been very surprised at how receptive his teammates have been to his leadership. I thought Indiana would be a good ball club. I thought I didn't this, this good, no, but I thought they would be better than the Pacers. I thought the Bulls could go either way and we would know early. I thought Atlanta would go either way, we'd go early. Those are your two younger teams. So you knew Milwaukee would be there, you knew Boston would be there, you knew Philly would be there. But the Nets, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Cavs, you were kind of like wh- which direction would they go? I definitely didn't see Orlando coming down the pipeline, but just, no, just a new I thought they were Orlando. another year and a half, two years away. I, I watched Orlando play. Mosley's a terrific coach. Great at adjustments. Great at game preparation. His guys are prepared. They play fearless. That team's ascending. It's not gonna. It's they're not gonna die down. People are gonna be surprised because they're gonna. Not only are they gonna win that division, barring a barring a catastrophic injury, they'll be a top three seed in the East. It's not gonna. It's it's not gonna fall to down, and mainly because their division is awful. Miami is geriatric at this point. But going back to the Pacers, for them to be in this position this early in the season, this is something that no one thought the IST would do, and that is allow a team to kind of announce itself early and build that confidence and ride that wave throughout the season. There's no reason to believe now that Indiana won't be a four or five seed. Because the Sixers, and I love it. The Sixers at where they are right now, they could be a fourth seed. You know, they could still sneak all the way up to two. Milwaukee still, for some reason, is having some 
some adjustments. I would have expected them to at least figure figure something out by now. They're winning games as they wake their way through, but nobody's running away with these. In fact, there's only one team with most of the most of the teams are at seven or eight losses. I think Boston's got five. I'll double check that while I'm Correct. talking. Correct. But you know, so this it's 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 kind of a um, conglomerate of teams at this point. So why not Indiana? They're young. They're athletic. They can play different styles of basketball. A lot of people don't know that. Watching them play, they can play in the half court. You see the highlights of Halliburton, but what you don't see is he also thrives in the pick and roll, which mm-hmm. is something a lot of young players don't do well. Tyrese is working on it now in Philly. Um, you don't see Drew Holiday do it at all in Boston, which is surprising because Drew Holiday is the next Oscar Robinson from what I was told. You know, I right. thought he would fit great with the Sixers, but I'm not. I think it was more of an attitude shift in Boston. I don't think you lose the defensive player of the year, but somehow you add a better defensive player. That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me at all. So that's something that Halliburton does, does very well. I don't see them winning this tournament. I don't see them beating LeBron. We can, we can move right into dissecting this game. This, there are just guys that come around once in a blue moon. They're, they're comics. You know, everyone else is kind of like a star. You see them every night. But every once in a while, you, you see something that you'll never see again or won't see again for years. Derrick Rose was a comic. You know, Derrick Rose, when he was healthy, was a guy you'll never see anything that athletic, that fast, that competitive, that fiery ever again in your life. LeBron James is a comic. And right now, what we're <laughs> witnessing, pun intended, you, you, not, you don't bet against that. You don't think – you don't – you just sit down, shut up, and enjoy. There's no way the Pacers win this game. No okay. shot, no way. They just beat the Pelicans, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. With Zion Williamson. But they beat them by 40. I know they were up by 40 when I turned the game off. So I, they're, they're, they're getting better, and they also were a team. If you remember in the bubble, they got hot in the bubble because they had a break. And they were healthy. They're not really healthy right now with Gabe Vincent being out. Uh, they, they just got Cam Reddish back, who surprisingly is playing well, which I did not see that coming. Neither are. I don't know how, I don't know how that's happening. I'm kind of baffled by that. But nevertheless, I, <laughs> they're, they're, they're rolling. And LeBron is rolling. He's rolling. He, he's seeing the game faster than anybody else. The Pacers will be able to get up and down, but the Lakers can run with them too. And they don't have an answer for Anthony Davis. Miles Turner, as much as I like him as a player, I like his skill set. He's, he's not, playing well this he's year. Not. He's playing well. He's played well every – you know, he's had his moments where he's been an irritant. He's been moody. But some guys are just moody. It just – it is what it is. It's not – you know, it's something you have to learn to deal with as a coach. But he's a good young player. I was surprised since, since we – I was surprised Dallas – Dallas didn't try to get that deal with Buddy Hill in turn. I just I, – I thought Monster – and there may be some things that I don't know about off the court that Dallas may want to shy away from. But he's a good player. But he's not ready – for Anthony Davis, Jackson Hayes is playing well in his spot minutes. He's blocking shots, rebounding, being physical at the point of attack, which is something that they haven't had in a while, possibly since uh, <laughs> Buddy Howard left. Here's my counter argument to that part that you just made about, um, about uh, the Lakers and the in-season tournament game. So here's my argument to that. I agree that the Lakers have LeBron and he's the ultimate equalizer and that's fair. But I've also seen 
that the Lakers can come out and play flat. Anthony Davis can disappear. What I haven't seen is Tyrese Halliburton disappear. He's been consistent game in, game out. So let's call his numbers and stat line versus LeBron's numbers and stat line a wash. Now you're looking at the rest of the players. And the difference in this is the fact that a Miles Turner is never played with anybody who's held him accountable the way he's being held accountable now. He's never played with a coach and a leader in Tyrese Halliburton who's going to hold him accountable for being where he's supposed to be, defending on every play and running through every shot. And the Pacers are scoring at a record pace. Take the in-season tournament out of it. They're putting up like 120, 125 points a game, like light, like every game they're, they're throwing it up. So do I think that the Lakers with an older roster can keep pace? No. And that's going to be the difference. It's not going to be that they can't score with them and they, you know, Anthony Davis might get his 30, but he's going to need more than 30. LeBron's going to need more than 30 because the Pacers are scoring 120. Where are the rest of the points going to come from? You know, and that's where the difference in this is going to be because Tyrese Halliburton is going to get everybody in the offense involved. I mean, a guy like Benedict Matherin, who you spoke about early on, right, is literally like the first option off the bench on the team that he would start on most rosters in the NBA because he's a stretch three who can shoot and can score effectively, which is the big, big name of the game in basketball. That's what he can do. He comes off the bench, okay? He doesn't even start. And he was a rookie who had huge numbers last year. So I love the fact that Carlisle's going about it the right way. You and I agree on the fact that Carlisle is an excellent head coach, has the ability to be um, to, to maximize the talent of guys around him. I didn't think that he had uh, the best deal of the world in Dallas, but I think going back to Indiana has worked out well for him. And I love what they're looking like. I think that they, I think that they're, they're going to just be able to outrun them. And sometimes young horses, man, like young horses just run faster than older horses. They do, you know, it doesn't mean that the Lakers are any more or less. I know LeBron wants to win it to put it on his resume is another thing that he's won. And that's great. But if he's waiting for his son to play, you know, he can get it next year, you know, and, and go for it then. Like, I don't think they win today. You mentioned, you said their stat line would be a wash. And, you know, that's not a debate that I'm, I'm interested in partaking in. But I will say this, their impact on the game won't be. And that's the difference. You know, okay. Halliburton, for everything that he's done, and I want to give him the – I want to give him immense credit for it. He's running into a wall right now. And he said some ho- uh, fast horses, younger horses run faster. True, but you've got young horses in L.A., and you can't just overlook that. Yes, you have LeBron, and yes, you have Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis gets up and down the court from time to time. You know, I I'm one of Anthony Davis's biggest defenders because I always say the guy that scored 70 points or 40 points and 60 points in the Pelicans, that guy doesn't exist anymore. No. What you have now is you got the defensive guy at Kentucky. And people need to respect the defensive guy you got in Kentucky. But D'Angelo Russell is a young player. Austin Reeves is a young player. Christian Wood is a young player. Tyrion Christian Wood really plays. Stop. Christian Wood plays about 10, maybe 12 minutes a game. But that's all you need. That's all you need. I'm saying, though. He's averaging four points. Rudy Hachimura is a young player. Their grudge of their team, the the, uh, makeup of their team, most of their guys are younger. Yeah, LeBron and Anthony Davis are young, but I mean, are old, but the rest of those guys are young, so they'll be able to run with them. And it's been electric. This thing has been better than anyone could have hoped. I agree. For. The, the NBA, and, people thought this was dumb. They didn't know what to expect. They were worried it was just going to be another bogus tournament. But they did a they, bad job selling. But this here, what it's turned into, the excitement generated around the league, the buzz, the competitive nature this early in the year has given people reason to watch the NBA 
in November because most people don't tune in until, you know, maybe Christmas, you know, maybe early January, February. They start worrying when it gets near playoff seating. Then they start to care a little bit. I personally have been locked in since like maybe the second game of the tournament because at first I was kind of intrigued by it. I'm like, all right, they got the different color floors, blah, 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 blah. All right, just another game. But then you see how hard guys are playing, how hard they're playing for half a million dollars. And Braun even said the other day, you too old to take a charge? He said, not for the half a million, I ain't. And as rich as he is, it's still half a million dollars. He's like, no, nah, I'll take a charge for half a million. You know what? You're right. Rich, rich is like, it's funny. You know, they got all the money in the world, so I can't have more money? Like, right. who thinks like that? Like, I, yeah, I move. If it's five, $50, I want that $50. If $50 on the line, I want the $50. Because now Me I could too. have $550 versus $500. Listen, I, I, take, I, take a, I take a charge for $5. What are we talking about? This is a different ball game there. Because it's going to cost me like eight to get the medicine now. But no, I, <laughs> I like I like the Lake I like the Lakers uh, I've liked the Lakers' roster Me since too. the season started. I've watched basketball. I've watched the NBA since the first thing. Another thing the in season tournament has they've done is they stopped playing games on Sundays. I don't know if you noticed, but they don't play a lot of games on Sundays anymore. That's another yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the fact that, you know, there have been very few games um during the, the tournament so far. Which sucks because who doesn't want basketball, you know, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Like, like the, because they're scheduling the in season tournament games now. Next week, it'll go back to more of a traditional schedule, and that's fine. So, it sucked that they've had this limited schedule. But you know what? I understand what the league was trying to do. They wanted the most competitive team out there, they wanted to give guys a rest so guys would be rested. And that makes sense to me. And so, I'm okay with the fact that they went that route. And now that, you know, the tournament will be over and you'll get back more to a normalized schedule. You know, that's okay. Um, I, I think that they went about it the right way. I think they set it up the right way. And I think, honestly, this is this is great for basketball. I, I, I it Actually, you know, teams are going to start to to look at how they can capitalize on this going forward. Like next season, you're going to see it be approached much differently from the teams that are involved because guys are going to want to win it. Well, the, the 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 money matters. The NBA just did a bad job selling it in the preseason. That's all they they did a bad job selling it in the announcement. All they needed to say was, "We're going to play regular season games. We're going to take a, an amount of regular season games and make those tournament games. We're going to create divisions in each play and each win. You know, you make it to the final round, you get five hundred thousand dollars. That's all they needed to say. They, you know, they're going to be regular season games. They're just going to count as tournament games." Because people thought they were the teams were going to be playing extra ten games, and they were right. going to be playing. It wasn't, you know, and they got it all convoluted. Had they just sold it that way, it would have been fine. All right, so let's wrap this up with a bow. So you like you like the Pacers in this game? I do. What would a win for the Pacers mean? This would be their first title on the NBA level. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm almost certain they won a couple NBA ABA titles, but I need to ch- fact check that with Mel Mel counts. No, was it Mel Blunt? I think it's Mel Blunt. And them boys. Um, but I know this would be their first NBA title. What would I this think mean for it would do it would do two things. Number one, it would announce to the Eastern Conference another contender, a team that's ready to play, that can get out here and compete with the big dogs that now you have to worry about because about the Pacers as a top four seed coming into the season, just like they weren't talking about Orlando. They will talk about the Pacers as a contender if they go ahead and they win this 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 tournament game tonight. Number two. It announces to the world who the best player on that team is, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. If you don't know about him, 
go find about about him. Like the guy is legit. He's a two way star, and he's emerging into superstar level with his play. If he leads the Pacers to a top four seed, and I mean continues to play the way he's playing, there's no way he's not in the MVP conversation. He has to be. He has to be. Mm. He mm. has to be. I mean, because who else in the, who else in the East is really showing you anything? I mean, Tatum's doing what Tatum always does. Okay, great. You know, Giannis is doing Giannis things, but they're struggling. You know, nobody expected Tyrese Halliburton to play the way he's playing. And if you take him off that Pacer team, it's a bunch of me and yous out there. So, I mean, you gotta you gotta look at it and say, you know what? That's what qualifies as an MVP. The guy, like in, in like you know, no different than Joker. You take Joker off Denver, they're a tenth seed at best. You know, you take Embiid off the Sixers, they're maybe, maybe, maybe a 12th seed, okay? So it's just one of those things that you look at and you have to give credit words to. You have to. I will say that what I I don't believe they're going to win, so I'm not going to venture. I'm not going to play in that, that hyperbole. But what I will say is what Halliburton has done in playing on this stage, taking on, taking on the King, it's now going to create expectations. And to my knowledge in sports, only two people have ever lived in the NBA circle, have ever lived up to expectation. And that was Michael Jeffrey Jordan and LeBron James. Everyone else had to fall and the world had to lower their expectations for them to exceed them. So we'll see if those expectations breed disappointment or if maybe Halliburton has already fell and now he's exceeding the current belief of the expectations for him. I was going to say it's more of the latter. I think he already had his fall being behind uh, the Aaron in Sacramento, not being able to earn an uh, organization to believe in him. You know, and it's not that the organization went wrong because, I mean, the Aaron's having a monster year too. But, you know, him having to go to a team in Indiana and prove himself to get the keys to the city and now show the rest of the world what he's already felt his whole life is that he could be the guy. Well, he just didn't fit. He just didn't fit in, in, in Sacramento. It was kind of the situation you had in Cleveland years ago with Kevin Johnson and Mark Price. And Cleveland didn't make the mistake by getting rid of Kevin Johnson and trading him to uh, trading him to Phoenix at that point. Cleveland traded him to Phoenix, and they got uh, Hot Rod Williams and I want to say Larry Nance in that deal. So that wasn't a bad trade for them, and it allowed Kevin Johnson to play. It wasn't a bad trade for Sacramento. Halliburton wasn't this player in Sacramento. He wasn't this guy. He was, like I said, a jack of many trades, master of none. If he scored 15 points, it was considered a great game. There were few, very few that were screaming, oh, he's going to be this guy. I don't, I don't believe anybody thought he would be this guy, except maybe Lloyd Pierce and Tyrese's father. Everybody else thought he'd be a decent to good player. So he's now he's now yeah, taking I, taking. I, I, I thought he could be. I thought he could be a 22 and nine, you know, 21 mm. and 21 and nine kind of guy. That's what I actually expected from him this year. I didn't expect him to come out and be the, the best point guard in basketball. I just didn't. He's just starting. He's just, you're right. He is leading the MVP. I, I would say Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, obviously LeBron, who's always going to be in the conversation, and Luca would be his contenders for an MVP if I, I had to get five. Is that five? I gave five, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Edwards, Luca, Bron, and Edwards, and the yeah. Fox. And, oh, and and Embiid. Uh, you can't take out Joker. And yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I think everyone it's right now is race, Joker. Though. It's a healthy race. Yeah, and it, it's a quarter of the season in, which matters because right. that's when you start to get a feel for what teams are. Like, very rarely do you have a team barring something significant happen as far as a trade 
kind of changed the course in the quarter of the season. Miami started nine and eight years ago, but that's 17 games. Then they went on like a 15-game winning streak. Right. So right now, that right now, the, pretty much the winning percentage teams are where they're going to finish. You can check this out in history. This is probably where you're going to see teams finish unless there's some sort of some sort of trade. So we'll take a quick break, everybody. That's it for this episode of Unparalleled Sports Club. Coming back, Ian and I are going to discuss the slander that's coming at Zion Williamson. I am T.I. Red of it. I don't know where he sits on it, but I know that it's going to be a great segment. So if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe, comment, whatever your podcast platform allows you to do. Forever, Terry Jr., Kwame Fisher-Jones. We appreciate your time of year. We'll talk to you again.